concluding today a series uh, that I've been doing on uh, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. <laughs> Thank you. That was extra special. Uh, they're wishing me a happy birthday, so my birthday was a couple days ago. Thank you all. Oh, and they've all got Among Us pictures. All right, so the big joke for the youth was that Among Us is a game. If you don't know this game, it's a game that the kids play. Uh, and uh, I thought about trying to sneak the Among Us character up there at some point, and Laura was trying to help me too, and we just didn't. It, it didn't feel right given, you know, uh, the manger scene and all. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks, y'all. That was sweet. That was really sweet. So also last week, apologies, I'm feeling much better. I should probably announce to the world that I've been feeling well for, for a number of days now. So, um, And I missed you. Uh, I watched the service online. Uh, my friend Mike Bradley is a lot braver than I am because he came up here with a, a cell phone and in real time I text him and then he reads it to you, uh, which I would never do because I don't know, that's... I get distracted very easily. Uh, so the series, though, is about the ways in which Jesus' enfleshment demonstrates to us the God we serve, right? That as Jesus comes in the flesh and he, and he walks through this world, this is the best depiction we have for who God is, the kind of God that we serve. And so today, um, we're talking about a big God, a God who is bigger uh, than you can imagine, than I can imagine, right? Our finite minds cannot hold the infinity of God. Um, but more specifically, this morning, whatever storms we may be facing in life, God is bigger still. And Jesus demonstrates this even in the manger scene, and certainly in um, a scene that we're going to read uh, in the middle of the sermon as well. Uh, and I think this is something that is um, appropriate this time of year as we think about the ways in which um, God has shown up in our lives, in the, in the small ways and in the big ways, and the ways in which we need God to show up in our lives right here and right now. And my hope is that we all walk out of here today feeling a sense uh, that God is bigger still than whatever is going on in our lives, and that should give us hope, it should give us peace, it should give us joy, it should cause us to love God all the more, and we should walk out of here with some faith. Let's begin with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come this morning, we ask you to dwell among us right now. God, you did not just come in human flesh uh, 2,000 years ago in, in the body of Jesus, but, but God, you promised, Jesus, you promised that you would be with us to the end of the age. And so, God, we know that you're here now. We know that that Holy Spirit is with us, among us, and in us. God, for those who need that Holy Spirit in them, we ask, Lord, that this day be the day where they ask you into their lives to be part of it, to be uh, a servant of Christ. 
Lord, today we ask that in this time that you fill me with your presence and that the words that I speak, they not be mine, but yours. And Lord, that you speak to the hearts of this people. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, my thesis this morning <clears throat> is um, one you're probably not expecting, uh, but it's that your life is not and it will never be a Hallmark Christmas movie. <clears throat> it is not and will never be a Hallmark Christmas movie. I saw yesterday in the New York Times, uh, somebody did us a service uh, and watched 460 Hallmark Christmas movies, and uh, they've, they've cataloged the formula of life in the Hallmark Christmas movie, and I'm here to deliver it to you. If you want to take notes on this, you can write uh, your own Hallmark Christmas movie uh, after this. It goes like this. First, it, it has to take place during Christmas time. You probably didn't see that coming. Um, but it has to take place during Christmas time. Uh, the second is that the main character uh, is, uh, again, shocker, uh, a woman. Uh, so men in the room, you might have to play second fiddle. Um, but nevertheless, uh, that's number two. Uh, number three, uh, the, the person travels to a small town. It has to be a small town, right? <clears throat> Uh, number four, that's where she meets a man. And now we have some options on the table. It could be a high school sweetheart. It could be a local handyman, uh, a single dad, or an army vet. Okay? <laughs> These are your options. Um, so I'm just going by the script here. And uh, number five, uh, then there's like a side quest uh, in, the, uh, in the movie. <clears throat> so perhaps a family cafe needs to be saved. Uh, a toy drive or a ball needs to be organized. Um, a mystery about like a secret Santa or a lost bracelet needs to be resolved. Uh, and then finally, the movie needs to find an end. And so she decides uh, either to move to the small town or he decides to move to the big city and then they end by kissing. Uh, and that's, that's your Hallmark movie, right? And your life will never be... <laughs> and cannot be a Hallmark movie. And the reason is simple, like life is not scripted, right? We, we don't get to uh, choose that kind of life. And in fact, life often comes at us quite differently than that. And we have periods, sure, of like high highs, but, but then we have these other periods of some low lows. And, and then these periods of just kind of waiting for a while, waiting on just like something to happen in life where you don't really know what's next. I like to imagine that uh, when, when I die, uh, I get to uh, watch the movie of my own life, right? That it's there, I'm given some buttered popcorn, and I, uh, somebody's pulled together like the highlight reels of it all, and, and I'm watching, like the, again, the, the laughter and the fun times, and then those times that maybe I wanted to forget, but now that I'm seeing it, I'm realizing, well, that's why I'm that way, right? Uh, and then there's the moments where like triumph and victory, and, uh, you know, and then those moments where uh, you fall flat on your face, and, and you realize that life's like this, uh, it's a drama, right? It's, it's filled with all kinds of drama. 
And um, some of it's going to make you cry again when you think about it. Some of it is, uh, frankly, just simply traumatic. And then some of it brings hope and possibility and joy. And, and so life is, is a lot messier than, again, a Hallmark movie. And, and particularly when you're in those messy times and when you're in the hard times or the dark times or the waiting times or the periods where it's just not clear what's happening, you might be tempted to lash out and to say, God, where are you? I, I just need you to show up, right? I need you to come in some fashion and just show me that you're here because it, it seems like all the lights have gone out and it's, it's really dark in this place. And God, if I were God, I would do it this way and, and I, I would create maybe something that is a little closer to a Hallmark movie because everybody loves, well, maybe not, <laughs> A lot of people love a Hallmark movie. But that's not what we get. <clears throat> Instead, what we really get is something more akin to Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, where God says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And when I read that, I think we've got a God who is, is bigger still. God's got a vantage point that we don't have. God's a little older than we are, maybe a little more time under the belt, a wisdom that we don't possess. God's ways and thoughts are not our ways and thoughts. And really the only proper response, even in the darkness, is faith and trust. Let's open up to our passage today, uh, Luke chapter 1. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1, uh, I think what we'll find here is a moment from Mary where God's ways were not her ways. <laughs> Or her ways wouldn't have been God's, God's ways would not have been her choice. But nevertheless, this is what she gets. Starting in Luke 1, verse 26, um, we'll read through it again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is all great news. Um, frankly, in some ways, Mary uh, was fortunate, right? I mean, the angel could have come to her 
saying some pretty hard things. And this is hard enough because we all know, well, she's not yet like fully married. She's just betrothed and she's pretty young. If you don't know, like they were marrying in their early teens uh, at this point and she's pregnant out of wedlock. And there's a lot of uncertainty around that. Darkness is no doubt shrouding what she's hearing here. And her response kind of indicates as much because the very next line, she, she says very clearly, uh, Mary says to the angel, how will this be, right? Uh, which is kind of, I think, a nice way of her saying, um, excuse me, what did you say? Uh, that's not how this works. I am a virgin, She goes on, she says, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren for nothing's impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night on Monday. And I don't know if it was one of these moments where uh, it was like a flash of, of God speaking to me. Or probably more likely... I had slept way too much the days prior because I'd been sick, uh, and so I had all this sleep under my belt, and then I wake up at 12.30 in the morning, and I couldn't fall back asleep for like two hours. And so I started writing my sermon, and I was actually not really, but uh, thinking about my sermon and thinking about, all right, if life's not a Hallmark movie, then what is it? Like, what... How, how could you define this or describe this or what's it like? And what popped into my brain, and I, again, I attribute this to the fact that it was the middle of the night, was something I hadn't thought about in years. About 10 years ago, there was a craze in churches. Some of you might remember this, especially if you were at bigger churches. This wouldn't happen at a, a South Run here. But if you were at a, a bigger church, there was uh, a period of time where they were doing these inverted, inverted paintings. Uh, do, you, do you know this? I'll describe it to you if, if, because I'm going to guess about 75% of the room doesn't know what I'm talking about. So the way it would begin is like this. There's um, an artist on stage, and there's a band playing, and the band's playing a song that's perhaps familiar to you. At Christmas time, it's probably a Christmas hymn, and, and then the artist starts drawing like a manger scene, and then they start drawing uh, shepherds and, and a star. And it's very clear, right? This crystal clear what this artist is doing and drawing, right? And then the music changes. <clears throat> and then as it changes, it gets um, less clear, we'll say, uh, as to what the artist is doing. And then suddenly the artist is painting over top uh, of what he had just painted. He's ruining his own painting, it seems, right? He's, He's painting on top of the manger scene. He's painting on top of the star. And, 
And then pretty soon the, the music gets really dramatic and uh, he starts just like taking paint and he's like flinging it at the canvas, right? And then suddenly he just drops his brushes all together and he just takes his hands and he's like putting them in the paint and he's, he's just smearing, uh, often black paint, frankly, everywhere. And there's a darkness to it all. There's a lack of clarity. And everybody's wondering what is happening on this canvas here and what is happening in this service at this moment. <clears throat> and then uh, you can hear the music kind of winding down. And um, oh yeah, and then along the way, right, uh, he'll often draw, uh, like write some messages like hope or um, you know, maybe not joy, but like uh, maybe desert or you know, some kind of message that then that gets shrouded too. And, and pretty soon you're like, you're looking at this blob of, of black and blue paint that's on the, on the canvas and you're like, what is happening here? Music is ending, it, com it finishes, and the artist picks up the canvas and then turns it 180 degrees upside down, right? And then you see it and it's, it's the face of Jesus, right? Do you does anyone remember these? I spent too many hours watching these on YouTube. Uh, I'm surprised no one else fell into this hole. Uh, so I thought at 12.30 in the morning, that's a little closer to what my life has looked like, <laughs> where there's periods where I can see that manger scene and the star, and it's all so clear, right? And then there are these periods where it sure seems like God is taking just paint to my canvas, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. Why, why is that up there? And then I'm always praying for, and sometimes I get it, that moment where God flips the canvas upside down and you see it. And you see it for the first time and you're like, how did I miss it, right? It was, it was there the whole time. Somehow, right? Somehow I missed it. So the inverted painting craze, I think is a little closer to the way life can and does work than the Hallmark Christmas movie. In fact, in our passage here, I think we get some inverted painting that starts to happen. And we see it right up front. I mean, maybe Mary's going along and everything seems clear enough until, until she becomes pregnant. And she's wondering, what is this future that I have for me? There's a lot of uncertainty here. And it's not clear the way all of this is going to end up. I have to imagine, though, it's, it's not just Mary. If you remember, uh, Elizabeth gets named in here as well. In fact, these two women, uh, they make up the first couple chapters of the book of Luke. This is, it starts out, yes, it's ultimately a story about John and, and Jesus, but it starts out with the moms, right? This is a story about two moms, Elizabeth and Mary. And the Elizabeth story, in some ways, is even darker and longer, and there's a lot more black there than what we get with the Mary story. You see, Elizabeth, she lived her entire life wanting 
a baby. And she never got one, right? To the point where it says that she was barren, but it also says that she was past childbearing years. She had reached menopause and beyond, right? And so we get this story where you've got two women. One is way too old, and one is way too young, frankly. And here God is working with these two women. And the one that's too old, Elizabeth, I liken it to, you know, the movie Up? You know, the montage at the beginning where you kind of like walk through the person, there's this couple, and, and, and then she dies, though. Right? So don't, in, in this montage, uh, they, you get the family portraits through time, but they don't die. What happens is you get the family portraits of like the larger family tree, and they're doing these big uh, gatherings, family gatherings, and, and everybody else is having babies, and, and life is growing. You can see the, the, the size of the porch is probably enlarging, and then there's Zechariah and Elizabeth, and it's just two of them, right? Their whole lives. It's just these two, and it's just these two. And all their family members are growing, and everything's filled with life and happiness, and then you can just kind of see it, like the two of them are taking the pictures, and it's there's a certain sadness there, right? And there's a darkness. You have to believe. I am 100% certain Elizabeth cried out multiple times in her life saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you showing up, right? Until God does in the person of John the Baptist, right? And then she gets pregnant. And some of the clarity you get that moment where, where everything gets spun upside down and, and now she's the one, she's ready to bear this child and to raise this child as wild as he was. Right? I want us to turn to another story. This time it is Jesus uh, as an older man. He's with his disciples. It's in Mark chapter 4. And here again... We're watching God as a God who is bigger still. We often tend to shrink God down, to put him in a box. We often tend to uh, expect less of God than perhaps we should. And this is one of these stories uh, where it is very clear that the disciples have limited who Jesus was and is. And it goes like this, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was, and other boats were with them. And a great windstorm rose up, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep. On the cushion. I love the cushion. A little detail there. Jesus is asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said, Teacher, don't you care that we're dying? Have you prayed that prayer in your life? God, do you not care that I'm over here dying? Jesus awoke, and he rebuked the wind 
And he said to the sea, three simple words. Peace, be still, right? Peace, be still. And I know it says he said this to the wind and the sea. But didn't he say it to the disciples too, right? He said, peace, be still. Perhaps Jesus needs to say that to you this morning, right? Whatever that storm is, whatever's going on, wherever you're crying out, God, don't you see me over here? I'm dying. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Here again, he says it to the disciples, but I'm going to guess some of us in this room need to hear this. Why are you so afraid? I'm with you. I'm here in the boat, in the flesh. I'm I'm here with you. Why are you so afraid? And then the piece that kind of cuts to the quick here, have you no faith, right? Have you no faith? There are a few ways uh, to compare these two stories, Luke 1 and, and Matthew 4. There is the faith that Mary exhibited, probably should have pointed out a little clearer, but the way Mary answers all of this, when when the angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby, and she says, how does that work? And he explains it. Then what does she say? She says, let it be unto me as you have said. She essentially says, I am here. I am willing. I have faith, right? This, by the way, is probably intentionally contrasted to uh, just like a few verses earlier in that chapter, Zechariah. I know I'm jumping from story to story here, uh, but Zechariah, he too met an angel. Do you remember this? Zechariah meets an angel, and what does he do? He kind of laughs it off, and he's like, ah, it's not going to happen, and he goes mute, and then the angel says very clearly why. The angel says, because you didn't have faith, right? Right? And then the same angel, Gabriel, heads over, uh, meets with Mary, uh, has a very similar conversation, frankly. And Mary says, I will follow. I submit myself to your will. And and come what may, whatever this darkness on this canvas is, I'm going to trust that at some point there's going to be a moment where you flip it upside down and I can see the face of Jesus. Right? That's essentially what she's saying. Here again, uh, the disciples, uh, uh, they're kind of in that Zechariah boat. Uh, they don't really get it and believe it, and, and they've got a God who's not quite big enough yet, and, and their view of Jesus hasn't been expanded, and, and so they're, they're freaking out, and they're fearful, and they're wondering, when are you going to show up? When are you going to do something about this? And Jesus says, I need you to have more faith. So what does all this mean for us? Often at the end of a sermon, I like to give um, 
you know, a few points, and here are your takeaways. I'm going to streamline this to one thing. We serve a bigger God than any of us can imagine. A God who is big enough to deal with whatever petty thing I'm going through and whatever thing that you're going through. Whatever storm the feels, and, and often, I'm not saying it's not a storm. It probably is a storm, frankly. Life is not easy. Life throws some real curveballs. It is not a Hallmark movie. And sometimes it looks like the dark canvas. But in that, it's our job to have faith, to believe, and to trust like Mary like Mary trusts and believes and has faith that what God is doing in her life is bigger still. Let us find ourselves in Mary's shoes and not in the boat of the disciples. But whichever one you find yourself in, I do believe there is more faith yet to come. And God is calling us into that. Let us pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, on this day we celebrate Jesus coming into this world, God coming in the flesh, and with that, we believe that we serve a God of possibility that all things are possible. As the angel told Mary, all things are possible with you. God, may we believe that in our heart of hearts. Because if we do, if we draw near to you, then God, whatever comes our way, we know that you are bigger still. We know that you are capable and that you are able to walk us through that sea that needs to be parted. You are able to calm that storm that is in our life, and you are able to give us the peace that passes all understanding. May this morning we hear your voice saying loud and clear to each of us, peace, be still. God, settle our hearts. Prepare us for the coming of the Christ child. And I pray, Lord, that as we go out today and, and tomorrow and, and, and this week, as we, as we bask in the glory of Jesus' birth, that we be reminded that with the birth of Christ, all things are possible. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.